Hello, welcome once again to Sean. What is the name of this podcast? I believe it's Cortana's Communiques. That's right, Cortana's Communiques, the Halo podcast, a weekly discussion of the television series Halo on Paramount Plus, previously known as CBS All Access. I'm one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you today? Doing all right. And and the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. Excellent. And in the province of Alberta, Canada? Hey, this is Sean, and I replaced the evil negative Nelly Sean from last week with a much better Sean today. Very good. And today, speaking of today, is May 16th, 2022, when we're recording this episode for folks who are curious. Uh, we're here to uh, discuss the penultimate episode of season one, Allegiance, which actually uh, was um, released to streaming on May 12th, 2022. So we are here four days later. Um, for folks who are curious, who have stumbled upon us or anything else of that nature, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com, a place where you can find many podcasts, including this one, but also our uh, main podcast called Dark Discussions Podcast, which was the one that started it all 12 years ago, approximately, where we talk weekly about a genre film. Uh, we do have an email at darkdiscussions at AOL.com. And if you want to email us specifically at this podcast here at Cortana's Communiques, just type in Halo or Cortana or something like that in the subject, and we'll know it's for this podcast, and we will read it on the podcast next week. Um, you also can email us through the menu on darkdiscussions.com. There's a contact us link. So it opens up a box, and you fill it out, and just like um, if you were writing to customer service or something to some other place, and it sends an email directly to us. Um, Sean, what else can folks find on darkdiscussions.com website? All the fine folks out there can also click on the Patreon button, which is a way for us to uh, say thank you, I guess, and help donate towards all the efforts that you guys put in for the podcast, all of the different podcasts in the Dark Discussions Empire, because this is all free and it costs money to do all the stuff that you guys do. So if you are able to, you can donate $5. Uh, and for every $5 a month that you donate, you get to pick a movie that can be reviewed. And at the quarter uh, period, what will happen then is the names will all go into the raffle. One gets chosen and it could be yours. And then you get to have a fun review done of the movie you picked. And you can choose one movie depending like, so say if you donated $15 a month, you could do three picks of the one movie you want, or you could do multiple different choices and it all works out. And it's a, Good thing to be able to help and support a podcast and a group of people that do awesome stuff. And uh, we will uh, record an episode on your choice on either the Dark Discussions podcast or the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast, depending on what type of film you choose. If it's more horror and genre, it's usually the Dark Discussions podcast. But if it's uh, something more closer to a drama or a cult film, we would do it on the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast. Um, also, uh, we are... 
have been basically uh, the number two Halo TV podcast on Stitcher. Uh, so we want to thank everybody who's participating by downloading us, listening, and whatnot. Uh, so thank you very much. Um, and that's pretty much all I got there. So uh, what is the plan going forward? Well, we do have one more episode after this, which will be episode nine uh, called Transcendence, uh, which we will record on the 23rd, I mean, the 22nd. We're actually going to record it Sunday, the 22nd, um, and release it on the 23rd. And depending on uh, what we feel about the last episode and uh, if it if it uh, is needed, we may do one episode after that as a, se- a season wrap-up. Uh, but we'll let everybody know on the 23rd when we uh, release our episode about the season finale. Um, all right, so I think that's pretty much it. Anybody uh, have anything they wanted to bring up before we get into our topic tonight? Anyone? Uh, I will say they they really improved the Kai story this week. <laughs> it was the best ever. Indeed, indeed. The, that uh, that was that was this was probably actually the best Kai episode so far this season. It was. It was awesome. It was, and and, and uh, again, no no disrespect to either the actors that play Soren or Kai or Quan or whatever her name is. Um, I, actually. Did we say we're not even saying her name right? It's Quan, isn't it? Not Kai. Quan, yeah. Quan, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, we forgot. It was the best Kai episode too. Yes, it actually was a good Kai. She was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, 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 she was. She was. But, yeah. And but, see, uh, by the way, here's a great example. Uh, I, I've I've actually really enjoyed the Kai story this season. Yes, great Kai example, is good. Kai is good. Uh, right. Of, Kai, it's, of taking something that, to my knowledge, is not in the source material. It's really not a thing I was expecting. And making something I give a shit about. Yep. Right. But I, but I assume you were meaning the best episode of the Quan story. I meant the best episode of the Quan story because I keep confusing <laughs> their names. Yeah. It works out. So you yeah. did double duty. <laughs> nice yeah. work, Mike. Yes. Well done. Well done. Um, so I would concur with that statement. Uh, anything else anybody want to bring up before we discuss Allegiance? Episode 8. The penultimate episode of season 1 of Halo. It's nice to not have to be as negative as I sounded last week's episode. Yes, yes. I, I, I think uh, we were all that way, though, Sean. So you are not alone. And and also all the critics online that wrote articles, too, were similar to us. We were just parroting all of them. So I haven't read any of the reviews yet. So um, I, I wasn't repeating what they said right. knowingly. But Maybe it's good to hear here. that we are not – because there have been times, like, I know – and we all have had, I'm sure, these moments where we see like the the reviews for a thing are, are like absolutely fantastic, or conversely, absolute garbage. And we're like we're wondering if we're all watching the same thing because we just right feel like the exact opposite of what every quote unquote everybody else is doing. Yeah, um, uh, one example of that, Mike, was uh, and I think it was the first time that we 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 learned of Sean uh, actually was uh, the Chernobyl uh, diary movie episode for Dr. Right, Special Podcast. We, right, the first, first Christie podcast, the, yep, yep. I guess the first Sean podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, we, yeah, we, we liked the film, and, and generally the critics said it wasn't that good. And, critics uh, and fans, nobody liked it. Uh, and, yeah, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but anyway. That's yeah. true, yeah, I'm totally surprised. 
But but this but uh, last week's episode of uh, the Halo series, I think, uh, as you said, Mike, you parroted, and we actually we were all parroted the the reviewers from major corporations, and you didn't even know you were parroting them because you didn't read any of the reviews, Mike. So well, I think fun. when I didn't either. Yeah. When the, so. when the, when the flaw is that there is that obvious? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and. Look, I, I, unlike some people, I have a lot of respect for most film critics, Armand White being an exception, um, but that they know what they're talking about, right? They may see things differently. They have their preferences, but they can look at a film and see things that I would never pick up on in terms of the symbolism and the, the use of color and framing and all this stuff. There, there is actual training that goes involved, gets involved. Um, but there are certain things. So a lot of people say, I didn't like it and they can't really put their finger on why they didn't like it or what was working, what wasn't working. Um, here, the, the thing with her is so obvious. It's hard and it's hard to, it's hard to get it wrong, right? It's just so obvious what's wrong with it. Right. It's also hard to understand how they don't see it. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of those things like, uh, I know, uh, Mike, you mentioned, uh, uh, the She-Hulk, um, which is a upcoming uh, television series for Disney. And you heard some rumors that they're reshooting some stuff because they heard stuff and said, well, we should fix it up a bit. So you figure that the Halo folk would have done the same thing with the Quan storyline, but uh, it appears they, they may have. Well, a part of me wonders, there. and it, it's, uh, I, I could be completely wrong here. I'm not saying it did happen. But part of me wonders if they didn't just put so much Quan stuff into that one episode to get it out of other episodes, right? Because yeah. sometimes you don't realize the thing's not working until you've filmed it, you've watched it, and you go, eh, this is a problem. But they've spent the money. Yeah. It's probably going to end up being integral to the plot at some point, so they can't just not do it yep. and leave it out. So what do they do? Well, we'll have it there, and we'll minimize the damage by... You were hearing that like now with the Aquaman 2, which I'm sure doesn't have much of a story in the first place. But, uh, you know, where they're saying um, they're like greatly reducing the Amber Heard stuff. They're cutting out as much of Amber Heard as they possibly can get away with. Yeah, I know they were trying to – there was a a lot of big uh, fan base online that were trying to get Emily Blunt to replace her. But By fan base, do you mean you? Well, some articles I read. Some articles I read. But uh, Emily's got to be a woman. Are you sure you didn't write them? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, but what was now? What was that, Sean? Emily Blunt's got to be in the Fantastic Four. That's Maybe. that's possible too. Possibly. Well, she was supposed to be uh, Black Widow, but uh, she was locked into a Jack Black film, so she lost out on that role because of that. But she was signed and, and delivered, and then it was unfortunate, and they got. What Jack Black again. movie was she in? Uh, uh, Gulliver's that Gulliver film. Oh, that's yeah. right! I forgot all about that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> she, she, I'm sure she was, she was disappointed in, in how that turned out. Um, anyway, um, back to this uh, show here. So uh, we're going to talk about Allegiance tonight, um, and we'll go around and discuss uh, what we felt about it. Uh, so, uh, let's start with you, Sean. 
Uh, so I do my turnaround from last week's session and say that I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I enjoyed the pacing. I enjoyed uh, a lot of the different stuff that came up within the episode, which we will touch on. Um, and it was just nice to watch to watch it a second time and not feel like it was a horrible, horrible <laughs> labor <laughs> to do so. Uh, and just, um, yeah, it just was a much better feel and much more enjoyable watch. That's for sure. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, it's a good episode. Um, I have some criticisms from it, some of which could be dismissed because of the a particular because of the, the the role that they have for Master Chief so far in his development. Um, but overall, it was a, it was an interesting episode. I, I am still of the opinion that the they are not giving the the diehard Halo fans probably what they're expecting. Um. And I can't imagine a certain character sticking with the show for very much longer uh, based on where they are right now. I just would find it incredible. Um, but other than that, I think, which, but that's not a criticism of it. I'm just curious where it's going. Uh, but yeah, I like the episode, uh, but I do have a feeling we are going to be exactly where I said we were going to be, uh, or feared we were going to be at the first episode of this, which is that we're going to end the series without with them like just finally setting foot aboard the the Halo world. Mike, you are a prophet. Oh, I understand how saving budgets work. The <laughs> prophet, prophet. There you go. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. For me, um, well, uh, Mike does have a fair point, which is uh, for the diehard Halo fans, they are probably scratching their head. Um, because it, it definitely takes liberty with um, pretty much all the the characters from the um, original creators who wrote the story uh, behind the, the video game, from the ethnicity of various characters to uh, the removal of helmets to adding um, human spies and all these other things. So um, I, I, could, I could see the series or even this episode being a little poo-pooed by diehards. However, even though I, I love the series and the game and whatnot, uh, I like, like this episode a whole lot. Um, I felt it was really strong. Um, it had a lot of uh, human interaction uh, that um, worked for me. Uh, the, the, every man, human struggle, the, the mental health issues, all these things were kind of cool to see it all work out. Um, bad things happen on mistake, which make people think wrongly and whatnot and that. And, and, and I think it was well-written. Uh, usually that stuff can be contrived, but, uh, in this case, it, I think it, it was not at all. So, uh, I, I enjoyed the episode a whole lot. And, um, yeah, I, I do think one thing that is odd, though, because, you know, Mike says about budgets, I, I think they could have done the, the Halo earlier because a lot of the Halo in the video game is really just mountains and forests. And you can do that right there outside of Budapest where this was filmed. So, you know, man, I don't know. Anyway. Well, look, location filming is 
always more expensive than set filming. Um, So like I'm, I'm a big Star Trek fan, so I, I very closely followed Star Trek Next Generation when that was first uh, in production. And they were always always very candid of like, oh, we did this episode because we couldn't afford to do any more outlo- outdoor locations. They had X number of episodes where they could film outdoors, and then the rest you had to film on st- sets and sound stages. Um, filming right. schedules are a little different now, um, and especially now because you have things like the uh, – the, with the Disney people called the volume. I don't know what they call it for the HBO, HBO Max series, but these virtual ser- settings, this giant kind of bubble that you're in that that digitally creates the environment that makes it look like you're really there. Um, I don't know if they use that in this show or not. Um, if not, I wouldn't be surprised if they use it in the uh, subsequent seasons. But you, know, you look at the amount of stuff that's being filmed on the spaceships in the lab, uh, in the UN headquarters and the rest of it, well, that's all sound stages. And that's all a lot cheaper and easier to do than going out and filming stuff, especially going out and filming stuff that's largely battles, uh, which is what I imagine you'd see a lot of if they were doing the Halo part of Halo. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, Barrett, your feelings on this episode? I really like this episode a lot. Um, I thought one moment was a bit cheesy um, with no lead up. But uh, other than that, I thought it was a pretty well done episode. I thought Kai's role in the episode was really good. Um, Really showed a lot more (laughs) badness of Halsey. And yeah, it was a good episode. Very enjoyable. All right. Sounds good. Um, All right. So um, where should we start? Uh, Basically, folks who are listen to the podcast whether you're new or not uh obviously you're a fan of the show so we're assuming that you're very familiar with uh the episode and and what has happened the seven episodes prior so uh we're here to spoil everything and anything because uh we're here not to review the episode uh, you can read reviews anywhere you want we're here to actually discuss uh what what we saw what's happening in the plot our, our feelings and stuff and a lot of you listeners want to hear what other people think of uh, what's going on. Um, all right, so where do we want to start? What do we got? Anyone? Well, I would Anyone like on? to throw out my first thought was that, though, like, you guys pretty much know I am not a Hall Dr. Halsey fan, but I will give her credit because her one comment about humans being the problem was pretty accurate. <laughs> well, she's the human that's the problem. <laughs> Along with the other humans as well. <laughs> but she's the major problem. If she hadn't done most of what she's done, there wouldn't be responses that are so off the wall and crazy. I will. Right. Do, I will think. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I, I see what what Sean. I mean, Barrett's talking about, which is Ozzy is the problem at the very moment, even if the uh, the other leader characters have been problems throughout their life with the UNSC. But Mike, you were going to say something. Well, I think part of the problem is the the matter is being discussed at hand. Yeah, the other characters kind of joined in, but she's the one that roped them in. This is all her plan, her scheme, like abducting John and whatnot. And from what I understand, under the uh, under the guise of, well, we have to save humanity. And when you have something like that, your um, your willingness to uh, push the bounds of ethics shall we say, when it's like literally life and death of the right. entire human race, um, yeah, that they your, your priorities may get skewed a bit. 
Um, you know, it's the whole thing of, you know, yeah, maybe a woman isn't going to do a, a particular thing or can't imagine herself doing it until maybe someone threatens her child and then all bets might be off. Uh, so here in this case, it's it's literally dealing with the th- what they think is that these threatening the survival of humanity. And I want to point out that it is literally the problem is that they are trying to destroy humanity. The the covenant. Yep. So. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, uh, you know. You. It's all fair. And you know. I mean. I mean. You know. Real world situations. You can have people say, "Well, it's a." Uh, drone strike this general or this chancellor or this whatever and that will solve the problem so people make these decisions unfortunately every day in in life um but those type of decisions i don't know if are a good analogy because you know the the people that you're striking are major players in the in the world that whether they're good or bad, they're movers and shakers versus kidnapping children and, and then turning them into robotic f- creatures to fight. Right. Alien, you know, but go on, Mike. Oh, and I, you know, I always say there's a, at least for our species, there is a general undercurrent of common ethics that runs, but so much of it is situational and how they define it, you know? So we, every culture has, prohibitions against murder but then if you refuse to admit the humanity of the jews then you can put them in concentration camps right without violating those norms you we find we have great ways of justifying things by working around our sense of ethics um yeah it contradicts them specifically contradicts them. (laughs) and well i mean we're all hypocrites the idea of our ideals is that they're ideal we're never going to live up to them fully and completely um, you know, that is that is humanity, and I'm sure that would apply to almost any species. Um, most of the world is people making do with what they can and people making good decisions, people making bad decisions. And then we've and got all sorts of weird, illness. A lot of mental illness. Yeah. I mean, let's re- I mean, you got to consider, I mean, if you're if you're uh, coming at it from a biological point of view, like I am, uh, that we are a species that kind of hacked our own software to. You know, to, to create sentience and technology and civilization in a, in a way that had never been done before. So the whole thing is sort of a grand experiment, and we don't actually know if it's going to work long term. You know, but we still are, are overwriting the base software, like right? those instincts to survive, um, and that give us our petty fuels and drives and jealousies. You know, um, that fuck it's us still up. There. They're still yeah. there. Right, right. Um, I want to say one thing. Halsey is completely megalomaniacal because she thinks she's the only one that can solve the problem. She's such a fanatic. She even so, says like, it. <laughs> I am. It's up to me to save humanity. Right. Well, and 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 you know, I mean, what, what, whether she's honest to herself or not, um, you you know, a lot of these. Movers and shakers in, in humanity, basically people, uh, they think, you know, to be, to be rude but truthful, they think their shit doesn't stink and everybody else is pathetic, you know. And unfortunately, uh, when that goes hand in hand with uh, some sort of dissocial personality disorder or megalomaniac 
disorder or something else, then then yeah, you, you can have some unfortunate problems there. Um, well, and I think also just personalities with other people that are megalomaniacs too, because you know you can yep. say the admiral is too, and you can say Keys is too. Uh, going all right. the power players are <laughs> right. Well, I remember there was uh, I think it was uh, a, it was a David Kelly show from uh, the '90s, I guess, called Northern Exposure. Um, yep. I didn't watch a lot yeah. of it. I watched I only saw like an episode or two, but there was a a line a character says on it. They were talking about religion and beliefs, and they said, well. And a kid says, well, religion is like farts. Everybody stinks except your own. Um, and I think that kind of sums up anyone's sort of sense of values, right? We're all very confident in our beliefs. Our beliefs are the right ones. And everybody else is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's not much uh, compromise, uh, especially when you are that type of personality that the lead characters are in, in this show. I don't think all. I don't think the rest of them are at the same level as Halsey. I think they work with each other. She thinks she is the only one that can save humanity. I don't think they think that. I think they think they're important to humanity, but I don't think they think they're the well, end all be all. That's a fair point, Bert. But to play devil's advocate, Halsey at one point may have been a team player, but had an upper hand at one point so she used her power to you know gain an upper hand and then someone that got pissed at her because oh ooh, she's trying to take some of my power decided to sabotage her and so maybe she's just to the point where she now wants to be proactive and shut them all down and 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 whatnot because you know you, you have the admiral and the admiral has used politics to outplay her and they're they're all trying to outplay each other it's just that yeah all you yeah. all you need is one person in that group to say enough's enough uh, I'm dropping the nuke and, you know the figurative nuke and but and the self interest is more doing. important than anybody else for every you know that's what's guiding everyone who's in that power position seems to be all self interest right. Watching, keeping the, you know, covering themselves for all of the bad stuff that they've been involved with directly or indirectly. Well, um, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing is, is, is that, see, we don't know enough, but I mean, we've seen it in real life where, you know, you have certain uh, people or, or nations in the world react a certain way and we wonder why they do that. And then years later, you find out, oh, they did it because uh, behind the scenes, there was some covert thing where they were getting screwed. And so they said, all right, we're going to do something. And they look like they're the bad guy. And and they are the bad guy. You know, we, we you know, we've seen that with, with Japan in World War Two. But but, you know, why they, they they started certain war parts of that war. But. They sometimes you're pushed. So if you push evil people too far, they're going to snap and they're going to do stuff even more evil. And that's what oh, I think. We, is we, we, yeah, there were very few like genuine um i don't want to say sociopath because there's a lot of those but the people that are that are just genuinely don't give a shit about what other people think and they do what they want to do and feel just so justified simply based on the fact that they want to do it right um we always come up with some rationalization uh so weirdly enough i had to watch a uh a teacher's classroom today and it's the teacher was teaching forensics and they were watching a video on John Wayne Gacy and Gacy's talking about how, well, you know, he, he chose these people. He picked them up. He brought them home. It was his choice. 
you know, he hired them. So if you buy something at the store and you bring it home and you don't like it, you, you can, you can break it. It's yours. You can do with it what you want. So he had rationalized murdering these people because in his head, choosing them, picking them up and bringing them home and, and, and hiring them in some cases uh, was the equivalent of buying a product at Walmart. You know, but he rationalized. He had to find a rationalization. You can always rationalize your evil deeds. Um, and I think that's where we are with Halsey. Halsey wants to do these experiments. She got this idea. Yeah, she got this idea to save humanity. Was this where the idea started? How can I save humanity from these things? Or was it, oh, this, you know what? This would be a perfect chance for me to finally do that human experimentation I always wanted to do. <laughs> you know, which is it? And even so, the question is, well, um, is it, was it the right choice? Was it really the only option they had? Right, where they justified it, where they justified in doing what she did. Right. Well, those resources have gone elsewhere. Yeah, and it's a it's a a good scenario. And and again, this is this is why I I enjoyed this episode because of the the machinations of of the characters, uh, the the mental illnesses, both uh, sad as well as evil, the the political power plays, the misunderstandings, um, uh, the the fight to be good, only to be bent over and, and screwed a second time, even if it was on mistake. And, and you know, and, and, and so this whole episode has a lot of interesting dynamics and um, starting with Halsey, um, it's just a tip, I feel, of yep. the whole thing. And 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 as you said, Sean, she she, or I should say, you, Barrett, because you're the one that brought Halsey up specifically. Uh, she was the one that sets it all off. So it was it was interesting. Um, I, I she's was, a character. I don't see how they they keep bringing her back. Um. It, I mean, unless she turns into some Hannibal Lecter giving advice from uh, from from prison, uh, she she shouldn't be able to get out of this. Who is the evil doctor yeah. in that uh, '60s show, uh, Lost in Space? Doctor yeah. Smith. Feels like it's, it's the but, he, feels like but he became a good guy. Kind of sort. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like that. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, but again he was still a nice guy to the little boy, you know, while she seems more, (laughs) I don't know. I remember, I remember him and the robot and the the boy were always like the, yeah, but you're right. He he was a, he was a, he was a manipulative dink. Um, He was always scheming and and gambling. And, and part of the problem is that it was a show from the sixties, you know, and, and nothing you ever did. And it was a kid's show and nothing you did ever had a ramification from one episode to the next. In reality, Dr. Smith was supposed to be written out of the show, probably killed off sometime during the first season. But he proved so popular with the, the audience, they, they, they didn't want to get rid of him. And, you know, 
I do think that there are times you have to pull the trigger and say we need to change things because it just doesn't make sense to keep going to this well again and again and again. Halsey, I don't. What what does Halsey do now? Right. We best, have, oh, God, I was just the best case scenario is she somehow escapes and becomes some sort of an independent agent. And, and but even then, right, that like Soren or something. Right. That doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Does she have something over these other people? It doesn't seem like she has anything to hold on. I mean, she certainly does. But well, all they have to do is blow up her ship. Right. Well, like, like if I mean, at least in Halo Infinite, she appears a couple of times as a recorded messages and whatnot and that can kind of answer so almost like uh what was, it, what was that class i took in college uh something programming intelligence programming or something or i forget what it was called but basically it's almost like you uh write these programs that you can that will ask questions and based off of how you answer it will uh give you uh um, the right direction on where you want to go in the program. Uh, so, for example, we we, we had to write a, a, a program, and so me and two other people wrote one about um, a, a jukebox program. So, you know, you you, you type in uh, what type of music you like rock, uh, what era of rock, you know, whatever, and then suddenly poof, poof, uh, damn torpedoes by Tom Petty is recommended you know or something like that so I, I her her character could turn into that maybe if they do kill her off they could have her as a repeating character as a one of those kind of sort of semi ai thing that just appears and answers questions or or, or something similar to what they're doing in halo infinite but they could yeah knock her out completely or like yeah or they could have her become a renegade out in the middle of space, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, Mike. I'm, I I can't see how they're gonna be able to do it. You know, to continue the storyline without, or just keeping her there. You know, what about you, Brad? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she could make another season because she could be the person they're trying to stop in the next season from doing whatever she's doing. I don't see her her story being done in this season. Let's put it that way. But I don't know that it could go too much longer. Right. Right. Yeah. If, unless they kill her in the next episode, there's still a fair amount of story to find out about what she's planning. Right. Yeah, that's because true. yeah, because the thing is, is like we don't know what's going to happen with was uh, it Zadik and uh, Riz. Like we don't like they are still super loyal to her, right? So if she goes off and gets to be an independent agent next season, there's nothing saying that they wouldn't go with her, right? Unless and cause all kinds of trouble, right? Unless they're uh, taken as prisoners and they pop out the little thing in their their back. But I wonder, though, because I think was it you, Mike, that pointed out that, like, maybe they don't mind. Well, Vanek especially. Vanek seems yeah. to be, like, just fully on board. Um, so I don't know. Now, they can always 
flip but the they script on the, that. Yeah, they pop off, the, pop out the thing in his bottom, his tailbone, right? If they popped it out, then maybe he would be like Kai and Master Chief. Or right, maybe, maybe he wouldn't. <laughs> or maybe he wouldn't. They actually did. I, I realized that after we did that episode, they did a similar story uh, along those lines with the um, the Bad Batch, which is an animated Star Wars series about uh, renegade clone troopers who had disabled their their behavioral chips, except one of them disables it and still wants to play with the bad guys. Um, yes. So, uh, spoiler warning for that first season. Right. Yeah, because you don't know. Even even with the chip gone. That doesn't mean you become good or right. neutral. You can still become evil, right? Because people are people. You, you don't know where you're going to fall until you you talk to the person and you can figure out, okay, this person's someone I want to avoid or not. And, and they so, can always flip the script and maybe it's going to be Riz that really decides she likes it. And he ends up turning into a giant teddy bear. Who knows? Or, or you know, they both come along. I, I just have a feeling that um, they, they need to gain their independence. I'm sure they're going to. Uh, or, or they're going to be killed off. I can't imagine that they're going to keep them for the entirety of however long the series goes as, uh, yes, as, as drones, right? As, as right. Um, emotions uh, held back. Right. So I have a question. This is just like sort of on the same lines, but it's dealing with uh, Cortana's face, face change here. Uh, would you consider it a glitch or was it her sentient growth that let her make the decision that she makes. Sentient oh. growth? Yeah. I think that's where they're going with it. Um, so yeah, because that's, more, that's what happens more in the video empathy game. Than Dr. Halsey. Yeah, in, in the video <laughs> game, uh, she's not just an AI. I mean, she is, obviously, but, yeah. but I mean, she has some sort of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe in, in sentient robots or AI. However, um, in science fiction, you could have them learn to have a certain type of loyalty or empathy for a specific person or character or uh, political back background. And she could, she, and what happens in the video games is, yeah, she's completely loyal to Master Chief until game five. Five, right? Yeah, where she snaps um but she does doesn't have a full loyalty to her creator so i think that's where they're going they're, they're, we're seeing the infancy of cortana even before the video game and she's going to get to the point where she is uh very empathetic to Master Chief. I mean, it's in episode four of the video games, it was almost like they were best, not like best friends that could have been lovers or spouses had she actually existed, you know, as, as a true entity, you know? So I think, well, I think, I that's think what going. Yeah, go on, Mike. I was going to say, I think part of the problem is that you have someone who, um, is programmed she's a newborn right she's not yeah. programmed with a whole lot of life and experiences and you've you've tagged her with someone who seems to be a decent person and that's how she's learning right she's learning through master chief and so it doesn't surprise me that she comes up being better than than halsey is no 
And I think that's where they're going. That's that's a really uh, good way to put it, Mike. That as a uh, AI with little experience, whether you believe it's sentience or just programming, um, her learning is based off of the person or individual that she interacts with the most, and that's Master Chief because she's there twenty four seven. So it, do, it doesn't surprise me, and it does make sense, your point, Mike, that she would empathize with um, him and also his, what appears to be, uh, general goodness. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, no, that's cool. I just, like, I was wondering, like, how, what the feeling would be on that. And I, Mike's explanation works fine, so... I just thought it was I thought it was well done in showing that her pro or whatever it's programming sentience, whatever, that she's adapting that quickly. Right. To to see that like Halsey's not the one to be following orders from. Or her creepy assistant. Oh my god, that guy is just <laughs> well, I think here you're getting into the hubris, right? This is the this is yeah. your Frankenstein story sort of in reverse. Um, where the things you create are sometimes go beyond your ability to control them. Now that goes into a very literal sense, a much more literal sense in the real world with like you know your children, right? You you may try to raise your children to be one thing, and they often end up being something you n- did not expect, and sometimes would never have wanted. Um, in, in this case, Halsey's arrogance is that she thinks she's figured everything out. And she couldn't possibly, because as a human being that seems to lack any real empathy, um, that she couldn't conceive of the idea that Cortana could learn to be more human. And part of it is that she wasn't expecting John, uh, I'm sure, to have destroyed his little emotional pod or whatever that – his little remote control device. Right. And that's all putting stuff outside of her control and outside of her ability to predict. But in her hubris, she fails to kind of um, adapt in any way, <laughs> adapt and account for that. And so this is what throws the, the wrench in the works, right? She's the uh, she's Darth Vader, you know, that Cortana is Darth Vader standing by beside the emperor. Right. And, yeah. And, 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 that, and now Cortana's going up. Oh, fuck you. I'm throwing you down the pit. <laughs> well, and, and that, that sums up her character, uh, meaning uh, Halsey. The entire series so far, which is her hubris, because every time, or almost in every episode, her hubris pisses someone off, and it's her own downfall a lot of the times. Right? He I mean, always the, seems surprised by it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is part what? of her. You're sending me of, away? Why? Yeah, it's, it's almost like she, it, it is. It is her just social personality disorder. I, I think uh, megalomania, as you said, John. I, I think it's all those things. It's something. Something's wrong there. There's no doubt about it. Well, I think Barrett said it was her megalomania. I was going that she's just a fanatic, like, and she does a great job. Like the actress does an excellent job of just like even just the like the facial expressions she makes that are just like oh, she does a great job. So. I've enjoyed that. Um, the one thing I was going to touch on when we we're kind of talking about like the other um, part of the UNSC people having different, whether it's evil or selfishness or whatever, 
Uh, I will say the sequence, like I know this is jumping around, but um, when McKee is being, is trying to give the information about Master Chief and what's happening, and is it Admiral Margaret, I think is the one who was there, who has her hench guy start like do using that, well, I don't know, what, whatever the weapon was to uh, attack McKee. And it, it's like, he, that seemed like the, the henchman was enjoying this and that Margaret was enjoying this. And that it just, that's where I was thinking about with, when, uh, with Halsey's comment about the humans are the problem is that it's the humans that are in power are the problem because oh, power corrupts. Right. I mean, it's right. Exactly. But at the same time, let's be honest. She's someone who is suspicious to begin with. They find out that she, after coming and pretending to be someone, you know, some innocent victim who was uh, abducted by the uh, the Covenant, that she just helped murder an entire vessel of people. Right. But and has not exactly been, been forthcoming about it. So, yeah, they were mean to her. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, it, well, that's, that's the But I would say, what about that? Like, well, this is the fun part of their hypocrisy, though, is that because look what they were involved with, how many kids died in their process of saving humanity, right? Well, right. right. And this is, this is always the catch. So go, going back to what Phil was saying earlier, is that it's very easy for one country or another to say, well, somebody did this to us, so we're going to do that to them. And so you always get this self this self-perpetuating cycle of somebody getting back to somebody using the last thing that happened as a justification for the next thing you're going to do, even though um, what you did, you know, you, you don't care about what the initial cause, and you know that they're just going to end up doing back to you what you just did to them. So yeah. it's just, it's, it's a, again, a never-ending cycle. And this is why you end up getting things like centuries worth of hatred in places like you know the Middle East and and others, uh, where it just it just will not end. Right, that's true. Yeah, and and, and speaking of Mackie, um, or McKee, um, she we're obviously ahead of every other character um, because we can see in her mind and we see what she's doing and, and we sit, we're with her when she's alone, so we know first of all the reason why she has been quote unquote evil depending on your definition in her eyes she probably wasn't she was thinking she was fighting the enemy and then when she starts becoming human again you know she's she's still guilty of what she did in the ship and and all these other things however if if you know um the other characters knew what we knew, maybe they would have said, okay, she's now one of us. She's, you know, given up her allegiance to the covenant. And the reason she did those things was she was basically, um, you know, first of all, brainwashed because she grew up with them. Never mind what humanity did to her when she was a kid. So, um, when, they find out that it was her because you know oddly keys is the one the the, the young keys is the one to find it out um she becomes i guess uh feels betrayed again and she be most likely is going to be joining the covenant again right so 
Um, her character arc is, is kind of interesting because of all those things. Because she's not like a Halsey evil, she, even though she's done as many horrible things as, as Halsey, if, if you know, we want to consider what happened on that ship. But it's it's hard to, to hate the character. Oh, yeah. And they do I think a good that, job with that, yeah. Yeah, I think that she um, she's definitely more empathetic, especially after her time with Master Chief. And she she was changing. I think that's still going to be in her. She's going to go back to the Covenant, but I don't know. It's going to still be be there in her, and it's going to cause problems for the Covenant later. Yeah, I, I think they, they may go that route, though. I mean, that's the easy route, right? I mean, the other route would be the humans have always been bad to me, so I won't. But I don't see her doing that because I, I figure Master Chief and her, her I guess, quote-unquote, love for him or, or the humanity that he gave her will probably lead her to the road that you said, Barrett, which is she'll be a problem more so to the Covenant uh, in in future episodes. Well, and that's, or the, part I thought was, that's the part I thought was cheesy. Their little <laughs> romantic scene in the episode just didn't feel right to me. It didn't it didn't work for me. Yeah, but but it was it was hot. It was hot, but yeah. it didn't work for me. It just didn't seem realistic. That you get to see her belly button. That it was happening at all. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it 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 came quick. There's no doubt. I mean, a little too quick. Well, see, this is where, like, I I could certainly criticize a lot of decisions that happened in this episode, but as I'm thinking about it, a lot of the decision problems are either from, are are mostly coming from Master Chief trusting this person who's completely untrustworthy, but having to remind myself that really, in both cases, you have people who are. um, emotionally stunted right they are they are they are trying to behave like adults without the real experience of having like gone through the the process of handling their emotions and their feelings and all the turmoil that we get in our adolescence could i add this to with to it too and let you continue after which is um you know if this was like 15 years ago or 20 years ago Maybe I would I would look at the scene and go, oh come on! But nowadays, you know, you you hear about people that just hook up the very night they meet all the time. You know, oh, he's attractive, he's nice to me. What's just sex? Oh, that's that's been a thing. It's you know? been going on for a long time. Slow, lovingly, this slow, loving scene. I don't know if that wasn't just hooking up. <laughs> I was like falling in love. Is what they were okay, intimating I, with I that see what scene. you're saying. So, so even if they had <laughs> affections for each other and wanted to bang, you're saying that it was even more than that. It was love. It felt they like they to- were trying to convey that in that scene, and it just wasn't believable to me. And that she just suddenly had this huge turnaround in that, you know, whatever two minutes of time it took for him to be on top of her. So... I don't know. It just didn't feel real to me. And it's just me, maybe. But that's how I felt about well, it. Well, man, two minutes. That's quick. But again, part, part <laughs> no, of the I'm problem joking is about that. <laughs> you know, she, she has literally been stuck in a cult for and her you, life. You make a good point. You make a very good point. I understand that. It just still, the scene either wasn't shot very well. It just didn't feel right to me. So there was something about it that didn't work for me. Oh, and I perfectly get that. And I, I don't 
again, I don't necessarily buy it, but this is to me the way I maybe I'm just rationalizing it. Speaking of rationalizing things is just by saying, <laughs> um, you know what? These are two people who are severely screwed up. And so, yeah, if I was there, like, let, let's let's say that we were literally there and Master Chief was my friend. Uh, I'd be saying, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> but I could also understand why he's doing something so, so asinine and so stupid is because of, you know, the fact that he's, he's literally just got turned on, you know. Um, yeah, she's a good looking woman. And yeah. yeah. You know, so, you know, when you're, you're, uh, when you're in the mood, you're in the mood. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And we know people make bad decisions all the time, so. Well, yeah. I, I wouldn't call that a bad decision. She's pretty good looking. It, well, it wasn't a bad decision until they turned her against him. Well, but even right. then. Right, but that, but and that was because Keys found out that she was the one that murdered everybody on the ship, right? Right. Right, right because you're basically getting Master Chief. Trust her. Trust her. Trust me. They have no reason to trust anybody. Right. Um, everybody's trying to make persuasive arguments with no evidence whatsoever, and that's what turns it into a giant clusterfuck. Um, and, and thus, here we are, right? It's um, – oh. So – and this is not, Phil – yeah, it, this is not just, oh, hey – you're hot, I'm hot, do you want to do it? Right? They, this is like two teenagers who are like, damaged no. people too. And damaged people are like, oh no, they, this one's pure, this is true, they're going to love me forever, they're going to love me to the end of time. You know, it's like, no, no, you're, you're just horny. That's it. You're horny and they're available. And, and that's, that's, what's, that's what's happening. That's why you're, that's why you're interested. Well, but, but maybe not in this case. I, I think Get Barrett's more correct where they're horny and irreversible, but and but they have the damage, connection. And yeah, they have a connection. Yeah, they have yeah. this connection, and it's drawing them together. Yeah, yeah right. never mind. Never mind. They both can touch the the artifact. Right. right. But right. they have this connection. This is like the the two drug addicts that are in love because they yeah. both like heroin. They're both <laughs> damaged, and what's what's attracting them to each other, I think, is their well, yeah, they're they're damaged. They're damaged because in part they're chosen people, and there are problems. You know, they've been made special by that fact by the fact they've been chosen for this artifact which is apparently going to commit inter go, uh, interstellar genocide uh, it's not a good thing it, I, I don't think um i don't know go on barrett You're gonna say it's definitely i don't think it's a good thing either i mean it's it's it was doomed and it was actually doomed well, in the in the episode. You know what? <laughs> yeah. I I I think if they didn't figure out Mackie had done what she did, I think it would have worked. Well, I don't think Margaret trusted her though. Like Margaret didn't need much of a uh push to have McKee tortured. So like cuz she already like bef like before it was clear that they found out McKee was the one behind the ship. Uh, deaths like she M margaret made several comments i recall about you know how is the master chief trusting her after frolicking in the park or whatever her comments what right right because they, they went for a walk in the park and now suddenly they're all good with each other well and i understand her distrust for sure because 
she was with these aliens long enough that you can't trust her. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but, so, but that's a fact. That's the thing is that there's one thing that they don't trust her and they're going to watch her and try to figure out who she is. There's another thing. Had they not found out about the spaceship, I think the issue wouldn't have occurred. In, in, in other words, if because Keyes was able to translate the, the language and say, oh, my God, it's Mackie, that was the moment that they said, okay, she's an enemy. We have to take her out. Yeah, I would agree with that. that I mean, and that was definitely her her own fault. I mean, you can't fault them for feeling the way they are for her destroying a ship full of humans. Right. Well, and that's the thing. That's, that, that was why I said earlier is that we're way ahead of everybody else because we see Mackie in her quiet moments and in her mind and her regrets and her damage and all this other stuff. So if they knew what we knew, then I don't think they would have done what, what they did. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Boss. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. If, if, if she, they know what we know. We know that she was there literally to infiltrate them. We, we don't know exactly why. We don't know what the goal is. We also know that the goal is basically to wipe out humanity. Uh, and that's if, the purpose of the weapon. So if they knew what we know, they know everything. But but and, if, they, if they could read her mind, they would have known that she was now back on their side, right? And I mean, I mean that's, that's how it is in all these, these movies and TV shows and whatever. Uh, you know, these characters that become good and bad, good and bad, depending on the season. You, if, if you could just read people's mind, they, they would have known that, okay, she's on our side now. Well, it's like Gollum, but, right, in The Lord of the Rings. Right, right, right. Yeah, Gollum. Yeah, he's, that's an excellent example because there's a guy that was was fighting between his evil side and his good side, you know, and technically he was right both ways, right, because Sam was a dink to him for no reason, and while Frodo was, was kind to him, you know. And he saved the day at the end. Yeah, that's true, too. So, it you know, and, and that's the thing is if is if Sam could have read Gollum's mind and understood Gollum and all that, then he wouldn't have been a dink. And then the only thing they would have had to worry about was the power of the ring and not Gollum himself. You know, and I think that's the case here is that if they could read Mackie's mind after she ripped out the the poison finger thing, they would have said, OK, yeah, she's she's on our side. But well, technically, yeah, go on, Mike. I think they would have looked at her more appropriately instead of being an a, an, uh, an outright enemy, at the very least, as an asset that can be turned. And so they would have treated her differently in that regard. But, you know, you can't fault the security guard for shooting the guy that walks into the bank with plans to rob the bank. And then he says, but I changed my mind. Well, you walked in with the gun and the mask. And the stick of dynamite. We know that you're here to rob the bank. Um, and, and, and I'm agreeing. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, if you could read people's minds, because again, we can read people's minds in this show because we right. are ahead, you know. But everything you're saying is 100 percent correct, Mike. Absolutely. Well, I think yeah, and the problem she is, I think, a confused kid, however old she actually is, mentally and emotionally, she's immature. Um. And so, yeah, I, but I can't fault them for doing what they did either, because they suddenly found out what she was planning on doing. And this is this is really part of good drama, right? Good drama is always, you know, have the worst thing happen at the worst time, yeah. right? And, I just and, think it's. Um, 
I was going to say, if they'd done this with her an episode ago, it wouldn't have had nearly the same effect because, you know, that she hadn't turned around. She had still had the poison finger. And then there would have been yeah. no there, there would have been no element of tragedy to it. It would have been we found the spy. Right. We found out the truth. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that makes it a very tragic story. Her story is, is absolutely tragic, specifically in this episode, because, again, we see and we know her. While the other characters don't. And so when they learn out that she was working with the Covenant and killed all those people, they are rightfully correct to say, all right, we got to take her in and, and, and all this other stuff. But it's, it's heartbreaking for us, the audience, because we are, we know the truth at that point. She was on board with, with UNSC or, or at least master chief. Well, or at the moment. So let me ask you this. How much do you, would you have trusted her to not go back? To not go back to how, yeah. How trustworthy is you just to stick with this long term? And I'm not sure about that. Right. I don't know what her condition yeah. has been. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. Well, and even, even damaged people, you know, I mean, even once they're damaged that bad by other human beings, as we see Mackie, um, and we've experienced these things probably with people in our own lives and seeing what happens to them. That, yeah, you're you're right, Mike. You know, keep on going. What you're saying, I, th- I think you, you you have a good point here. Well, and also let's keep in mind she's got um, she's got the one thing that the Covenant needs. Hey, great! The Covenant has the artifact. She's got the keys. She's got the keys to the car. They've yep. got to come back for the keys to make use of the thing that they just have gone to war over. Um, and is that going to be a case of well, when they show up, she's going to be sort of like, "Sorry, Daddy." Um, you know, it's like, and, and get pulled back into their fold. I, I, she's given no reason to trust her, and every reason to not trust her. They still could have handled it better, and they could have handled it differently in a way that would be less tragic. But I still would have been a far, 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 far distance from giving her, you know, any sort of real, real trust. I may have given her the yeah. illusion of trust, yeah, but I wouldn't I mean, have given you, it to her. Yeah, you hear about these serial killers that stop because they feel bad and then a year later whatever sickness or urge they have they they become serial killers again you know so you're right maybe maybe this was just a moment in time and eventually something in her mind would remind her of her childhood again you know the thing that basically damaged her permanently and she would snap again and go nuts so yeah you're right mike it's possible, but I also think that there's an aspect of just the way that they did, like, they could have disabled her, maybe not quite using the same weapon that happened to her as a child. Yeah, I know exactly. they did that. I know, I know, I know it's all intentional, you know, it's part of the story, and I get that, but I just think, I think that's the aspect of how getting her into custody, you didn't need to have the guard standing over there with that thing burning into her back while he's smiling, and then having Margaret smiling. Like, well, I think I, you know, the- I, th- I think obviously, obviously, a lot of this is is intentionally written a certain way. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so they want us to feel sorry for her. I think at that moment, versus yeah. 
using common logic, which is, okay, if she's going nuts and she's, she's saying all this stuff and we just found out that she's a mass murderer of our friends on a ship, we got a stun gunner, let's stun gunner. And they do. And then of course, you know, they decide, all right, as a writer, how can we make our audience still appreciate her and feel sorry for her versus the people who legitimately are making a point, which is we got to arrest this person because she just mass murdered people that we loved. So they said, all right, let's have the cop zap her a few times instead of just once, you know, and that's over. That's police brutality. Uh, Let's have her flashbacks in her mind to show what happened to her as a child and what terrible things happened to her with the same, you know, zap gun or taser. And then let's have the people that are watching her get in arrest laugh or smile, you know? So yeah. it's, an, it was intentionally written that way. So I don't, I, I guess I, I could give it your point, Sean, because that's obviously how they wanted us to feel. I know I'm being extreme, but I would, I will also give them credit like aside, just what we've talked about in like this, this small sequence has been more enjoyable and, um, captured attention than the whole Quan storyline. Right? Oh, yeah. At least that's yeah. what it felt to me. So Absolutely. like so yeah. And I and I'm I'm gonna throw this up because I'm being repetitive, but I re- going back to the point of like what's gonna happen with McKee's fate down the line, I really, really have this bad feeling that Quan's gonna kill her and save the day. Which again doesn't feel I don't know. It doesn't feel satisfying as for, for everything that's happened. Well, on the, on the other hand, I hope I'm wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but it it would have the benefit of getting rid of two of the characters that the fans weren't fond of in the first place. But but the thing is, it's not that Quan gets is killed. Quan kills McKee and is fine and is a hero for it. Okay. But then then she gets to go off to, to, the the hero land in Disney World and okay. and and gets taken out of the <laughs> going to Disney World. <laughs> okay, new Mike. Princess. As long as you're going on and doing the writing, please, we'll do. We'll go with that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's like you know we we don't know what happened. I don't know. You know, it actually would be an interesting place to go with the character. Uh, but does she ever find out that she just killed someone who maybe didn't deserve to be killed, or conversely, maybe who really does deserve to be killed, depending on one's point of view. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you know, that, that that's a big leap because again, neither of their storylines have, um, I, I, I guess met yet. So that's a, a good assumption, but I do like Barrett's assumption too, or, or maybe it was you, Mike, but I think it was you, Barrett, that McKee may be the type to do herself in because she'll be a problem child for the covenant. And so she'll be the one that will press the button to blow up herself with the, the covenant leaders or something, you know, like a sacrifice that she does for love or whatever. Yeah. 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 Or, or her own humanity or, or, yeah. or something. Yeah. And so either way, it's, it's some sort of tragic ending to her character. In other words, she's going to live a life of shit from the day she was born basically because yeah, she was, you know, as a child, she was an orphan and was a slave. And then she is taken in with the covenant. And then she killed all these humans. And then the humans say her because she killed all the humans. And then she goes back to the covenant, but she knows that the covenant 
are, are bad too. And then she destroys herself. And the end, my life was, was sound and fury and signifying nothing. You know? <laughs> well, at least it would. Yeah. I would like, I would prefer that ending for sure. As opposed to having the, uh, my weird quant <laughs> bad feeling yeah. thing, but, but either way, I don't think it's going to be a happy end for her. I, no, I, I don't think so. I, you know, well, here's the thing. This is, this is a mark of decent writing. Um, is that if you you can see things, I think, from everybody's perspective and see why all of them are kind of right and all of them are kind of wrong, depending on whose point of view you take. Um, like, like I said, so if we look at the um, – if we look at it from uh, – if we look at McKee from the perspective of the, the – whatever they are, the generals, the administrators, whatever they are, the people, the admirals and the people in charge. I think we can understand why they do what they do. If we look at it from Quan's point of view, not Quan's point of view, uh, McKee's point of view, we understand the tragedy of it. We can certainly understand how this will piss off Master Chief. We can even understand kind of uh, Halsey's point of view. It's, it's a fucked up point of view. Uh, but we can at least understand it, right? You know, is that yep. she thinks she alone can fix, and you know, she was going to manipulate everything in order to make sure she has control. Part of it's megalomania and and uh, psychopathy, probably, but also part of it is that she probably genuinely believes that she's the one that should be in charge of things. Yeah, Mike. It's like uh, would you that that old thing where uh, would you? pull the brake of the train to save the, the the woman tied to the tracks but if you do pull the train the, the that you're going to kill four people on the train because the train will derail you know right. it's so maybe that that's what Halsey's kind of, her thing is i mean obviously it's 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 whacked but right it's her a, eyes, the trolley problem right yeah exactly that's what, so i think that's what she's living right so whether we agree with it or not we can understand it as you you said Right. And I know I find so there's a, a, another show, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned on this podcast, which is Better Call Saul. And I'm involved in a Facebook group there. And so much of that show depends on the point of view of, of who's, which character's point of view you have. And you have so many people who are watching you just cannot get out of the point of view of the main character so that they will excuse any sort of horrible things <laughs> the main character does because somebody else was mean to them three seasons ago. It's like, Right. You know, you have to you have to look at what everybody does and everybody because right. it is a really very well written show. Everyone has their reasons and their motives for doing well, the things they do. And everyone's and, 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 the, the hero of their own narrative. And, and even even for that show there, you know, the lead character and, and his, his friend are criminals, too. So they're not right. necessarily good people. So, so you know, because the, the protagonist is a criminal. Right. right, but they but they want to. I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> he is, but he's not what he eventually becomes. Um, yeah. And the, the, but the just the idea that well, our character doesn't like this person, so this person must be the bad guy and must be in the and that must character must be the wrong one, and therefore our guy has to be doing the right thing. And it's like, no, this is the reason why the the story is a tragic one, is that both of them are doing a thing that makes sense from their point of view and they're just making the situation worse. And the same thing here is that the both sides are doing things that make sense to them, but they're only making the situation worse, but it's also hard to see how they could do anything else. Um, they're all doing the exact wrong thing at the exact wrong time. Yeah. Right. Right. 
except for maybe masturbation. Well, well except I, could... I, I think his mistake was to, it, I think there's real questions about his wisdom in trusting her. Uh, but again, given his, his perspective, his limited experience, maybe he does have some weird special chosen one sense that allows him to sense the good within her, but still she's a damaged person. Yeah. And there's only so far and he, and he has no wiles really about him as far as I can tell right now, um, where he can say, okay, um, she's got potential but we got to play this carefully and I have to conv- I, and other people are not simply going to take my word for it. He's that you're He's a good person. The wrong you can trust head, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and nobody else has access to that head. Right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so they're not seeing things the way he's seeing them. Well, and, and to be, and to be fair, rather than funny, uh, he also knows Shbacky has the same power as him, and they both went to the Halo together. Which well, could have know, been like a like very a religious moment. Right? Yeah, exactly. At one re- point, he doesn't trust her. So uh, a religious moment. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. But I will say the one thing that I really, really enjoyed was the Kai stuff. Yeah. Because that was awesome. Well, because we all know this is what the the fans tuned in for was to watch the uh, the Spartans beat up on each other. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're being facetious, but yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's a good story. I like it. Her taking out uh, that uh, sink or whatever she was attached to was awesome. Yes. <laughs> I, I was curious because I because you had Master Chief going against. The other two who were who were not, who were fully armed and armored, and part of me was thinking, "Oh my God, they're not going to have him win." I understand he's supposed to be the best of them, but he shouldn't be more than two times as good as they are, right? Where he could be caught with his pants down and without a weapon and no and without a full set of armor and still end up thrashing the other two. That made no sense. So I like the fact that they basically get him on the ropes before. Kai comes in to save the day. Um, So I think I liked that. Um, And I like the fact that you have split the Spartans up. You've gotten Kai in a very involved and active role, uh, not just sitting around feeling like she's going to change her hair color again or, you know, uh, getting in touch with her human side. Her feats of strength were pretty impressive, though. Yeah, they were. They were. I would, I do kind of, maybe this is the, the, the role playing thing part of me. Uh, I would kind of like to know just what the limits of their strength are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I wonder, like, I'm going to assume, like, part of it is the fact that she was just in the armor. Right. You know, it was probably harder than the, what it was almost certainly decorative. Oh, yeah, w- w- without the armor, um, you're dead uh, pretty quick in the game. Because you you get shot a number of times and the armor uh, loses its um, shield. Right. And then, then you can just get shot once and you're dead. So uh, they're still just humans. There's no doubt about it. Does the suit uh, for strength, though, as part of its... Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. That's a good point. It must, yeah, 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 because you can jump off cliffs and not be hurt uh, when you're in in the suit. Okay. I was a little concerned that they were going to do something where, like, she pulled, like, she broke the restraints by pulling them up against the bench. 
to snap them, and I'm just like thinking of the physics of it. Well, if she pulls, she's got no leverage on her on her behind, so yeah. she's going to pull and slide her head into the the cement bench, and so that's just going to rather than snap the cuffs, it's just going to smush her head. So that would be a bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of glad that she found a way around that that made more sense. Um, but I was just actually wondering even this, like just the fact that the armor will be harder. Where your feet are not going to be harder than this meant, and I probably her her yeah. her her her, uh, her boots are probably not alone harder than this meant. But once you put the armor on, well, now that's like hitting it with a hammer, right? Right. So yeah, so it worked, and I, I liked it. I thought that was a, it was a, it was a, a creative way to get her out without resulting uh, relying on the uh, you know the old oh I had a palm that a hairpin. <laughs> before before you put the cuffs on me and so I was able to escape or that she was just so ridiculously strong now that she's got the power of independence that she can just snap her wrist cuffs because I'm pretty sure they would have been smart enough to uh, to compensate for whatever the uh, or the innate strength of a Spartan would be. Right. So in the battle with Master Chief, do you think that Riz actually hesitated? Or was it just dramatic pause for dramatic purposes? Interesting question. My my guess, without rewatching it and looking for it, was that it was a legitimate hesitation um, because you are getting these characters turning on each other, and they have you know. Remember the uh, thing you're only supposed to rely on each other. Yep. <laughs> you know the whole thing about killing your pets. Um. And Halsey already said that they were compromised, so go ahead and go out, like take him down. So, right, she did, but is Halsey's not a Spartan, right? So I understand why they're following her orders because they're programmed to. At the same time, this is going against the thing that they've been programmed to do from the very beginning, and the lessons they've been taught rather extensively <laughs> and dramatically since they were young. Yep. And 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 to be honest, they're still they still have the the little emotional emotion chip, yeah. Chips in their tailbone still, you know? Yeah. So. Yes, I don't know. But I did like the choreography for the fight. I thought that was done well. Yeah, it was a good yeah. fight. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And even going back to Halsey when she was talking to Cortana, where you, or at least where you, where I felt, you know, that Cortana makes her turn when Halsey's talking about how, you know, you're going to put John in stasis and he doesn't matter anymore. You're going to take control of his body, blah, 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 blah. You'll be the best of us. Just showing that again that she has no ties to anyone or anything except her own crazy plan, her agenda. Yeah, and her, and then that creepy assistant guy. Ugh. <laughs> well, I it really liked how how Kai didn't just go to fight. She also no. told them to not let the ship leave and all yep. this other stuff. She she took an air of command that was refreshing. It was good to see all that. That happen. was nice. Yeah. True. Yeah. And I know we're we're here for the Master Chief show. Um 
but I think, you know, like one of the things that uh, I think has helped the Marvel films work is the fact that they now that every character has their own supporting staff. You always got like the, yep. the, the guy in the chair at home. Um, you have to build up the characters around them and Need not just Scotty's right in Star Trek, right? You needed to build up more than just your main, main characters. Um, so yeah, I think the fact that they, they, they can't just do an entire series that's based just on master chief kicking ass. You have to build up these, these support characters. And I think we can agree that some of the characters are not working great. Uh, <laughs> but there's certain a lot of them are, and I certainly I think they need to do more with uh, Varric and Riz um, the, to get them better defined as characters. They've gotten very very broadly sketched so far, and I'm hoping we see more of them. Um, at this point, it's a little late, but next season, and get a little more depth out of them as well. Um, I, I think Kai has been great. They've done a lot with her in very little time. I think they've done a decent job with Miranda. Uh, I think they've done a decent job with uh, her father and Halsey and the civilian leader. Um, I'm not saying they're all good people. Yeah, but, they've but all the stories created, are... <laughs> but they're all good characters that, once again, all tie back to the main story. Oh, oh yeah. Villains don't mean they're bad written characters. You, you, I mean, no. I mean, some of the best characters in Game of are Thrones the villains. are the villains. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, so I, I concur there, Mike. So yeah, you, you want, it, yeah. If it's just Master Chief and and that's it, it's and Cortana. It's like, then it's like, okay, well, there's nothing else there, you know. So it makes sense that they're building uh, characters that otherwise would not we would not have seen in a video game because again the story is more than just one character and him going through uh covenant buildings isn't it interesting though that you can see like the highs in character building and story as we've discussed and then you have the kwan and soren stuff and even like uh the vincher stuff where it's like you you have the you have these you know these things that are really good or you know really capture your interest, and then you also have the stuff that is just like what the hell, and it's just interesting that you would have like such a dichotomy between them, or maybe that's just me. Well, and honestly, potentially they could both be really interesting, potentially, but it's hard to get invested in a. Uh, a, a civil war in the bush, you yeah. know, and and, a fa- and and the family services. When you're talking about, you know, I think it's the backdrop of uh, of interstellar war. And Soren is a neat idea, but it almost feels like he should be getting a spinoff series rather than just be hanging out on the side doing his own thing. Because again, he's not connected. Yeah. To anything that's going on. The idea of a, a you could do a story about a renegade pirate um uh a Spartan who's broken the programming and is off living his uh his life as he sees fit. That might be an interesting story, right? I could see that. But, you know, it's it's, it's not tying into the main series. And so I don't know why he's still in the main series. Right. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely fair. 
see. Uh, what else have we missed that we want to discuss? Well, I guess the question, like Mike brought up early at the start of the episode, is do we actually think we will get to Halo in the last episode? Uh, and if we do, do we get like two minutes, or do we actually get half an episode, or what? Like, what are we going to be able to get? Right. I think we're going to get in the Halo. How much we'll get is the big question for me at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm a Barrett. I, I I don't know if if it's gonna be as you said, Sean, two minutes, or if it will be 15 minutes into the episode and then we have 40 minutes or 30 minutes on Halo. I don't know. But does that feel like where we are right now? No, no. I mean, I've had I've had shows surprise me. I've had where where they you know cut through the bullshit very quickly and got us to where we wanted to be. Um, so sometimes that happens, but I, I, yeah, I, just, I don't see a pathway for that right now. No, at right. all. And that's my biggest problem with it. I don't see how we could get to the halo at this point without this what, is, yeah. shoehorning. Right. Cause what you need is you need to get, as far as I can tell the two artifacts together, one of the which portal. is the portal, the two artifacts and Kai and, uh, not Kai. Uh, uh, Master Klein. Chief and and, Mc- and uh, McKee, oh, McKee. McKee. together, all kind of on the same page to get <laughs> us to the place that we want to go, and that seems like a really heavy lift to ask at this point. It really does. And this is where I will go back and, like we discussed before, about if we had maybe not had the Kai Soren stuff happening, we could have sped the story along because we would have had a little bit more time to do so. So you could have gotten that done in the eight or nine episodes. Yeah, but the problem with that is the, the is that this is not a, a novel or a comic book, right, where yeah. you have an unlimited budget to work with, that I'm pretty sure this was all stuff to say, what can we squeeze in in the time that we have and the, the money that we have? What can we afford to do to yeah. end in a place where we want to? And most likely they decided this is where we want to end and probably decided that very early in the development of the series. And so probably well, the yeah. Quan stuff was there to, to pad the story out or something. Um, well, and when you hear that they went from $90 million to $230 million, then I mean, that probably speaks to that exactly. Well, and you know, we've talked about, possible reasons why the showrunners left and it could just be terrible financial mismanagement could be the reason why they're not coming back um i have i have absolutely no idea you know we talked about uh on the the main podcast uh the movie uh heaven's gate and you know why wasn't that guy forgiven for having a one failure it's well because i was one failure that he quadrupled the budget on and turned it into one of the biggest disasters <laughs> of all time um that's the kind of thing that will burn your bridges. A good producer, you know, should be able to bring things in on budget or close to it, you know, and quadrupling your budget and then losing a film. Like James Cameron has notoriously gone over budget in a lot of his films, but he's also had the highest box office yeah. uh, grossing film twice in his career now. So uh, and, that, and, that, and that buys you a lot of leeway. 
they, and they're usually they're uh, critically uh, liked and 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 also liked by fans too. Right? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, we have to remember as much as people may laugh at uh, uh, something like um, uh, Titanic, right? That that was a film. Did pretty well. That, that that did pretty well. Got really good critical reviews. Was nominated for an Academy Award. Actually, for uh, several it, Academy Awards. Actually, actually yeah. it, it yeah. won. Uh, it won Best Picture, I think. Yeah. And, right. And and uh, you're the only person ever I've actually heard Mike that that laughs at. You know, you you. But I guess you said you've heard other people. But I, I oh, have, a lot so. of people have poo pooed Titanic now. Um, well, and there were things about thing. Titanic I was never a fan of. There was the stuff that worked. I thought worked brilliantly. Uh, but then there was other stuff that eh, didn't work quite so well. Chasing uh, people around a sinking ship with a gun. <laughs> I thought Billy Zane's character was was, was terribly two dimensional and horribly. He racist. might have been, but he was still the best character of the movie. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I kind of like Molly Brown, but um, yeah, I like uh, Kate Winslet's character best. And she's, she was scenery in that movie. Anyway, um, back to this stuff here. <laughs> So your point on, on that, Mike? Uh, was anyway, so we don't know that if $220 million is a lot of money, but they certainly, I've seen a lot of the money there on set, but we also don't know if the money was spent well and wisely and how much was changed. You know, was this a thing where maybe they never were planning on going to, uh, to the halo in the first place, but then they allowed the budget to get out of hand and that just made it even worse. You know, the, yeah. what the final budget is, is not what the starting budget is. And then just changing your plans midway is not going to bring the uh, the budget back in line. Right. Which if that's the if that's a point, too, then it's like, why don't name it Halo? If you never had an intention to go to the Halo, don't call. Don't use well, that name in the title. It's already been greenlit for a second season, right? Yeah. So we're hoping so it will go. They back. could have said to themselves, well, we're going to do the Halo in the second season. And it's going to be all in that season. <laughs> I guess you're and, taking and, a real chance, though, that the fans are going to stick with you for that. Right, yeah. and which is why I would, I would really, really, really hope that um, if that's the plan, and again, I'm, I'm, I've asked, I mean, I don't know how the fans are feeling about this. If they have any sense that the fans are dissatisfied, they need to get in front of that and say, hey, this is what it's going to be most of next season. You know, you're going to see the flood next season. You're going to see. So, so hang in there. We were just table <laughs> setting. The meal is coming. We promise you the meal is coming. You know, don't, don't turn away from us. That's a hard um, meal to swallow. That's for sure. It, 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 yeah, it very well might be. But <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking about this, like, you know, so you have the other Paramount series that started, which was the Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And I'm thinking, well, what if we spent the entire first nine episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds with the Enterprise and Dry Dock and then never actually going to visit a single Strange New World? That would suck. It would suck. And it doesn't matter how good the rest of it is. I think you, uh, as the audience, would be perfectly justified in saying, what the hell? And I think, you know, if you have an entire... uh, you know, Batman movie that never has Batman in it. I think people would be justified in saying, "What the hell?" Um, Tiny all the rest Halo. of it, all Tiny the rest Halo. of it could be good. All the rest of it could be good, and we know, and uh, the, the listeners have heard this. Not all the rest of it has been good. There has been a lot of good in this show, but not all of it. And yeah. it's still, 
I'm, like I said, I, I resolved myself to this possibility a long time ago. So it's not a, an issue of me. I'm not the one that's going to be complaining about it. But I certainly will understand anybody who says, what the fuck are you doing? Where is the stuff? You, uh, you know, you, you, I went to the circus. You promised me tigers. There's no tigers. Well, and it's going to make people hate the Quan storyline even more if we get like five minutes of the Halo. Because people are going to be like, that storyline took from the possibility of seeing the Halo. Well, yeah, I, I don't think it does, but in their mind, I'm sure it will. Right. I, I think they. I don't think they said, "Well, no, but we really want to do the the Quan story." That's so much more important than the Halo. Maybe story. they did, though. <laughs> I, I think that was there to flesh out the story so that we could get to, and and maybe to appeal to certain uh, overseas markets, because uh, you actually do have it. Like, because uh, she's Korean, right? So. Australian-Korean. Australian-Korean. Well, South Korea has a massive gaming audience. So that that may be the the market they're trying to appeal to, Um, which is fair. uh, But I I just think there were other factors here that I don't think it had anything to do with whether or not we got to Halo. I I think they looked at it. They said, "Eh, we can't do this justice in the first season. So we're going to wait. But uh, by the way, the but, fact but, that they never... it's, it's I, you know, Mike, I, I would concur with you almost every time that you said that. But the series did have over a hundred million budget. Not when it started. Uh, I thought that was the budget for the show. I thought you said the budget was seventy million, and it grew to like two hundred twenty. Well, it started at ninety million and then went out to two thirty. Two thirty. All right. Well, well. Either way, it was ninety million, which is still a, a pretty. That's ten million per episode. Ten million per right? episode. That's, yeah. That's right. still pretty awesome. So. Right, but I don't. But I don't know the ins and outs of how much TV shows really cost anymore. I mean, you're you're yeah. hearing reports of the latest season of Stranger Things costing thirty million an episode. Right. Right. Um, now, how much of that goes to talent? How much of that goes to effects? And there's all sorts but, of effects but, that but take you know place what? in a series like this that we never really see. Right. That's but all... Again, though, that 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 talent thing doesn't make oh, that, sense I'm saying... because we know how the Marvel films and Star Wars did it, where they sign you to like six films, and so. Oh, I don't think that's the case here. Okay. But how much of it went just to Microsoft to get that right? Like um, to get the Halo. Like, like Disney doesn't have Disney paid was four billion dollars for Star Wars. That's theirs now. They don't have to pay a penny to make another Star Wars show just yeah. to make a make a Star Wars show. If right. you're going to make, um, if you're going to make a Star Wars or a Halo action figure or betting or whatever it is, you have to budget in what you're paying to get the license to do that. Yeah, Paramount doesn't own, owns the license to Star Trek. It does not own the license to Halo. So some of that money in that budget went to paying off Microsoft. Microsoft yeah. Or Bungie or whoever owns the rights to it could be fifty million. It is Microsoft. <laughs> they bought Microsoft. and they bought Bungie. I thought they did. So, but they're the one. So that's right there. That could be a significant chunk of change. But does that count towards the TV budget? I don't know. They yeah. like to inflate the numbers so that the show looks like they're spending a shit ton of money on it. They didn't spend money on any of the actors here. I'm sure. I don't think right. like Bo Kim Woodbine is you know, maybe the biggest actor that I, I can think of in the show so far. And I don't Who's think that? He, he was the villain, right? No, from the planet. No, Bokeem Woodbine is a uh, Soren or or oh, uh, 
Burn Gorman for uh, Venture. Right, and neither one of those are like going to be budget busters. No, um, they're not A-list talents. Um, so, so I don't think it's there. Again, we don't know how well the money went. We don't know how much was we shot, how much was done. Yeah. There's all sorts and, of questions and variables that come into play here. But it, you know, and it, it just depends. And sometimes the money is just a matter of. You know, we can either we need a warthog, so we can either go get a, a dune buggy and spray paint it green, or we could have one. We can get a dune buggy and we can take some cardboard and put it on it to make it look like something new, or we can invest, you know, ten million dollars to completely build, build one, one from scratch, and all three of them would end up essentially reading the same on screen. Yeah. Um. So which is it? You know, um, when you made the point about the location, too, because I was thinking, like, Phil, I'm sure you may have pointed this out before, like places in Montana would be fantastic for doing Halo, the like the actual Halo here in Alberta. There's lots of places you could film and they do lots of filming up here for different movies. Right. So you would. But again, uh, like I could point it out about, you know, you don't know what the actual location costs and all the other stuff that they've got going. So. But yeah, no, that's fair. It's, it's, but yeah, Mike does have a good point about outside versus uh, stage stuff because outside you have to do ADR. You, you know, you have to do depends on on um, the sun, the weather, all these other things. So you know, uh, but again, you know, it it is ten million episode. But Mike has some fair points too. But so, and, I'm, and I'm just guessing. I have no idea, yeah. like what the real story is. Maybe it, this was just their dream in the first place, was yeah. to just flesh out. We really want to know the backstory of how they got to the Halo, as opposed to just starting out on the world the way the game was. I, I think there's a lot of merit to have simply started it out like the game did and started out on the world and you know bringing the characters along through the conflict. But that would have been a a lot of money up front because you would have been basically starting in the middle of a battle. You would have been having to, to explain a lot of things to the audience as you went along. Um, I, I can certainly see where the challenges would be with that. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. And that's, that's all up to them. And I, I haven't heard anything where they have addressed criticisms. I know they have their own little halo podcast and they have their own halo after show and but that's all promotional stuff. It's all yeah. we're going to answer the things that we want to answer, and we're not going to answer anything that the fans want to know. Right. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because that's that's what all after shows are. People, you know, look at them as like, oh, this is exciting, whatever. But really, all after shows are by the companies that actually make the, the original show is marketing tools you know right it's like toys you know it's like star wars toys or are just you know we love them they're collectibles whatever but it's marketing stuff you know and, and, and some are all them better than others is. too yeah and that's all podcasts are you know they're just another marketing tool i mean even even newspapers now say oh we have to get into the podcasting business because if we don't you know we're, we're going to lose shares and so so now you have almost everybody has a, a podcast or after show or whatever 
So you're right, Mike. They're not going to be telling us necessarily what we want to hear. They're going to talk about whatever they think makes the show sound best, right? Right. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Both had their own podcast, their own after show. And I think those have been pretty good, pretty candid. But the shows were so good, there's not like a lot that they have to like fudge about you know it's like right. they just said yeah we did this we hope nobody would notice uh or we, we weren't sure if people would be confused by that and they're pretty good at the uh the person who would run the podcast uh at asking questions that i think the audience would want to know like how did you do this how did this happened why did you do it this way and they're like and they're, they're, there's a lot of you know patting themselves on the back about how wonderful each other you know their co-workers are but you're always going to get with something like that yeah. But I think they earned it. You know, that those are highly exceptional shows, you know, and I think you, what you really want is getting someone in there to really answer something tough. And, you know, most who's going to be doing most of the interviews on something like that? It's it's not going to be the showrunners and it's not going to be the writers because nobody gives a shit about the writers. Uh, they're they're going to be they're going to be bringing um, I'm blanking on his name now. They're going to be bringing Master Chief out there. And what and what does he know? He's not the writer. He's not the right, producer. Right. He's right. like, why, why didn't you go to the Halo? Yeah. Because that wasn't in the script. Well, and and that's a fair point that you bring this up, Mike. Because you know, like when I listen to like after uh, the game uh, interviews and podcasts, you know, so whether it's baseball or, or the NFL or whatever, when they bring in a player to talk, I, I usually switch the station because you know it's just. Well, you know, uh, it was tough. Give hundred ten percent. Yeah, hundred ten percent. You know, he's a, he's a great pitcher, but you know, we we, we did our well, blah blah blah. But when they bring in the sports writer, assuming it's not one of the scumbag sports writers that I hate, but you know, like Peter Gammons, if they brought Peter Gammons in, or or, or Clayton, the guy that just passed away uh, for football, I, I I block it in and I listen because that's interesting interesting the radio, you know, so. You're right. It's like I don't care about what the actor of Master Chief says, but I do care about what the original writers uh, that made the series from Bungie think about what's going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's all sorts of. And, but even then, a lot of them are under contract, right? right, right. <laughs> They're not going to be allowed to disparage the show. Right. No. Um, God knows. Like, uh, like I said, I'm not an invested. Halo fan, but I was a fan of the, and I'm a fan of the Resident Evil series. I'm not a diehard fan, but I remember watching that first film with the Mila Jovovich and thinking, "What the fuck is this? Where I this is this is this has almost this is not the game. This is not remotely the game. This is I've, this is the first time I've ever seen a movie adaptation of a of a game that actually had more action than the game did." Uh, <laughs> There's there's laser scanners and and we're we're karate chopping dogs or I, I don't I don't understand what I'm watching and you either get and you either get on board with it or you walk away. It's true, it's true. Um, so yeah, I mean you know that's that's what we're gonna find out. I, Barrett, I think it was you that said it. You know, it it'll be interesting to see if they scare away the original people that decided to tune in in the first place, which was to see Halo, right? I mean, I think it's you that said that, right? I think it was Mike, but yeah, the the point still stands. (laughs) 
Right. They, I would think that's who they're aiming for. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 I don't know. You know what? I don't know about that. I think what they aim for was they say, oh, there's a name. We can take that name and make a series and get people to come and buy Paramount Plus and, and you know, watch it with the, and get um, sponsors, you know, for the commercials and, and make a lot of money. And then the problem is, is after they do that, is they forget that the people that are actually coming in to watch it are the people you just mentioned, Barrett. And then it's like, well, we made our money. The for you know, it's like like you know, uh, you know, they make a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, which didn't get really good reviews. It makes forty-five million the first week because everybody wants to see it, even though it got crappy reviews. And then it's like, all right, we made our money. We made our money back. It's not a flop. Uh, we know we lost the, the, the trust of, of the fan base. So if we make a sequel to it, no one's going to come. But at least we made our money and we're, we're all set. Right. And I've heard enough stories over the years, and I wish I could really remember one of them, uh, of studios getting properties and just because they're a name, because of name recognition. So it's a pre-sold concept. And nobody's going to complain if you spent $50 million acquiring the rights to Halo because it's a huge concept. Anybody with half a brain would have said, yeah, that's a good thing. Make a thing about Halo. And then when it fails, no one's going to blame you because you did the smart thing and you got Halo. You know, And as opposed to if you greenlit something unoriginal that was $200 million. And then they're going to say, why the fuck did you greenlight this thing that no one's ever heard of before? Um, and that then the blame is going to fall on you. But they don't look too closely at, well, did the person who bought the rights know what the hell they had in hand? Sounds like Sony. <laughs> right. I mean, like a classic example was, um, I don't know why this is the one, because it seems like such an inappropriate one to bring up, is uh, Ren and Stimpy, from, uh, which was on Nickelodeon originally. And the people who ran that, like they insist they wanted to tone down they said, well, what, what the kids really like about Ren and Stimpy is the friendship. They don't really care about all the gross-out humor. It's like, n- no. No, the, the gross-out humor was entirely the point of the show. <laughs> that was, that was you, were, you were completely missed the appeal of the series, but these are the people in charge of it. Uh, the people who thought that, well, we need to do Tom and Jerry, but without the violence. No, you're, you're missing the point of Tom and Jerry. Right? Uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons were all about you know that they were they were the prototype for um uh Ren and Stimpy uh not not Ren and Stimpy for uh shit <sighs> itchy and scratchy on the simpsons okay yep you know so the whole idea was the was kind of the the extreme violence um yep. but you know people people just Sometimes they just don't understand what's appealing and maybe they don't understand that people aren't there because they really love the uh, relationship between <laughs> between they really want to know the inner workings of Master Chief and what's going on in his life. Right. Or they wanted they were drawn for Quan. Right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know we'll we'll see well, well, I mean, there's a couple things. One, you know, we would love to hear what fans of the video game think. Uh, but we also know that they're changing the showrunners. 
So maybe they heard, listened to someone that said, dude, we got to get it closer more to the video game in the universe that that one hour documentary that uh, Sean Fox knows about and watched that talked all about the Halo universe in an hour. We need to get that in there because that's what people want to hear. Or more likely, they'll say, we need somebody who can keep the budget under $100 million. That's true, too. That is true, too. I, that, I, honestly, that's much more likely. The, the whole goal, the, the showrunners aren't necessarily the, the creative visionary. Um, that's true. Yeah. They, they need the they that, need yeah. bean counters, too. At that point, they might, might as well just do like an animated series. Yeah. Because you could do but, that a lot cheaper. Yeah, but it's like, Nobody wants the animated version, right? Right. Like, right. like when they talk about doing a movie of whatever the latest superhero movie thing is, the superhero fans, the comic book fans, they don't want to see another animated Spider-Man unless it was Into the Spider-Verse, which is a whole different story. Yeah. They, they want to see it in live action. They want to see these these drawings, these video game characters that we've seen animated. We've seen Halo animated for 20 years now. They want to see it real even though it's all going to be CGI anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, they, but they want it to be <laughs> real. Been, they, there's been talk for decades about doing something live action with Zelda. And yep. it's like, do you understand? It's like, you have to say, like, do you understand that you can't do a Zelda series and like not have him talk for the entire time? You're going to have to force <laughs> Link for the first time in 40, uh, 30 years to actually have a voice and there's a really good chance 90% of the audience is going to hate the voice of that person. Well, who could they not- pick to even look like Link? I mean, geez, that would be tough. I don't know. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> it's it's going to be some weird thing where they CGI like ears and giant well, eyes on someone like in Cats. You know, it's just... <laughs> well, it, 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 it's like you said about uh, that property Zelda uh, for, what, 20, 30 years same with Halo, right? Halo started in twenty two, right? In two thousand two, and twenty years later, literally twenty years later, people have been wanting a show of it forever. Yeah. But the danger is always that the when you have a large fan base, very rarely is everyone a fan of the same thing for the same reason. And when you start pulling in the artistic community by which I mean the, the, the Hollywood people, they often look at things in a very different light than the fans do. So they really can be out of touch with what makes the character work. I'll give you a good example is Brian Singer. When he did Superman returns, what it would appeal to him about Superman was the fact that Brian Singer was an orphan and he was gay. So he's an outcast. And so he liked the fact that you had Superman was an orphan and an outcast. And so he kind of did this, thing and focused on that which is and created a superman character was just most people didn't catch on with or identify with um because they didn't see it the same way rob zombie did halloween he was a big fan of halloween but he thought that what fans wanted was to see how did michael myers go from being uh go to become a, a psychopath when which really that's not how what anybody wanted they like most of the fans wanted like Michael Myers being serious. I, I think there's a fair amount of people that liked his take on Halloween. They liked I, his I, take, but it wasn't the one that people were, were asking for. It, it, right. It, what, what Mike means, Barrett, is if you're a fan of the original Halloween film with Jamie Lee Curtis, you went to see that Halloween, right? So when you see Rob Zombie's Halloween, it's 
it's not it's similar to it's not Halo. It, it, I thought I was going in to see Halo, but that's not Halo. I, I was I mean, going in to, you know what I'm saying? I, I would agree with you, except I went into Rob Zombie's Halloween not knowing what he was going to do, and I loved it. So, right, and not every, that's 100% true. No, no, I'm telling you that there's a, a large contingent of the fan. I didn't say of the right, fan base right, 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 didn't right, get exactly. what they wanted out of it and think that he didn't understand the point of the character. And I think there's a lot of good things in it. I think there's a lot of bad things in it. But that's true of an awful lot of the Halloween movies. Right. I, I don't think he's he's saying it was a bad film. Apparently. No, I didn't think he was and, saying and, it was and, a bad and, film. And, I'm saying that there are more people than you think liked okay. it than gotcha. didn't. <laughs> and went into it not knowing what they were going to get and loved it. Okay, well... But you I'm talking about the diehard fans. You I was a diehard Halloween fan. Okay. I mean, right. so... But you that, understand... That's what I'm bringing up. No, no, no. What, what's all right? What, what's dropped it? But I think Mike's analogy, though, whether it's wrong or right, I think you understand what he's trying to say, though, right? I do understand it. I just yeah. want it clear that I think there are. It's it's not. No, there's a always. Lot. But, it's about, no, but the point is, you end up in half. You always end up alienating the. But my point is, you always end up alienating some of the fan base because yes, your interpretation is different from what they have in their heads. The moment you give Master right. Chief take his helmet off or Link, give him a voice, it's not what fans have had in their head for 20 years. Right. Yeah, you, you, you know, just say just that. Like, you just just like, that. Yeah. yeah, and just like the new Halloween, and then followed by the newest one, I like the one before it, but then the one after it kind of disappointed. So, sure. Right, right. right. But, but Mike, Mike you, you, I got to give you one credit, well, many credits, but, but definitely the, the big credit that was is that you said no matter what you do, everybody Somebody looks is upset. Yeah, yeah, because everybody <laughs> has a certain thing in the video game or in the franchise or in the cult film or whatever that's being remade that they'll be upset that you can't, you know, you can't please everybody all the time. You never can please everybody. <laughs> and it's the same for any, any story, right? Like yeah. you read a book and you have stuff that you have imagined for however long you've read the book. You go and see the movie adaptation, and that's but, not but how I know, saw it. But you know what, though? You know what? I mean, you know, the the first uh, – well, let me rephrase. Not the first, but but the Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson ones, right? Pretty much everybody was, was satisfied with those, even yeah. if there was some – I'm a diehard Lord of the Rings fan, and I love them. There are things that I wish they had not done in those movies, but I think right. they are pretty – Pretty close adaptation. Yeah. It's the Hobbit? the Hobbit that was. Uh. Ugh. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, the Hobbit was terrible. But uh, so the first three Lord of the Rings from a franchise of a book that everybody was wishing forever, and Jackson comes in uh, and, he, and he, he does does pretty good, and and then you have other things that you, you know, like like uh, Clint Eastwood's Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah, a lot of people like that, and and uh, he made Brian, the film. It was, it was. Oh, was it, was Brian that, oh, oh, was it Brian De Palma? Okay, I thought it was Clint Eastwood, but either way, whoever put it out was, you know, disappointed most of the, the fans of the book. Right. right. So when you have a intellectual property that is pretty solid. You hope you hope 
they they don't fuck it up. You hope you know? for the well, best. You have like Game of Thrones, the last three seasons, probably. And <laughs> right. Well, well, even even yeah. even the Harry Potter films. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, I I saw the first one and it was boring as hell because like there, there was this this scene about him looking in a mirror, and they said. And a lot of the critics wrote this too, and I was like saying in the book it's very intense and whatever, but how do you make it intense, you know, for for a movie? But J.K. Rowling wanted it in the movie because if it wasn't, she wouldn't sell the rights, you know. So so it's you know, and but yet people still loved it because they loved the source material and they understood what was going on. But someone who hadn't read the source material, like myself, was going, "This is kind of sucky," you know. So I don't know. Well, you have something was... like like the Watchmen, which is like fantastic, but it's like the it's an admirable job to try to do any uh you know transferring that from the original story to the the big screen or even the 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 t v series right yeah. and you have the creator Alan Moore disavowing everything <laughs> right yeah that's you mean the the movie. Yeah, well, he disavowed. Well, he disavowed the stuff like same with V for Vendetta. Oh yeah, the Wachowskis yeah. did right. And and what about what about the HBO series? Did he disavow? Oh, oh yeah, he yeah. disavowed he, everything. He, everything. He, well, he, he he disavows everything by default. It was not. Yeah. I looked at it. I didn't like it. I disavowed it. It was. Just, uh, <laughs> it was. I looked at it. I like because I think early on a couple of things they did like uh, of his were just terrible. Um, like Return of the Swamp thing. Um, League of just, Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that just really butchered uh, stuff that he did. And he just said, you know what? I'm not I'm donating my checks to charity. You you make them. You send me the money. Uh, I don't care. I don't want to know anything about it. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, I am completely divorced from whatever those things are. There are other reasons also that when you get into um, Watchmen where he kind of got fucked over by DC Comics. Right, because, so we've got that thing going. Right, because it was basically a thing where eventually the rights were supposed to revert to him. So after it had not been after so many years after it had been published, so DC got the idea: we'll just keep publishing trade paperbacks, so it will never go out of print, and therefore the rights would never revert back to him. And so that left a really sour taste in his mouth as far as that property went. Which is understandable in that respect. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but he says, you know what? I write the comics, and therefore. That's what I'm focusing on. And I think that's probably a healthy way to do it. I think creators can be way too attached to the material they make for understandable reasons. And they won't understand that sometimes certain things have to be cut or changed just because things work better visually in a visual, visual medium. Yeah. I mean, what we say, you know, a good example of two powerful people that had two almost, if not equal, but pretty close uh, power over a movie that turned out to be, one of the best films of all time was The Exorcist, right? You had Lady and, and Freakin' who butted heads all the time because one's intellectual property and one is a sociopathic director, both were talented as hell. Well, he was. That guy was <laughs> fucking nuts. That's why, why they ran him out of Hollywood. Uh, everybody hated him, but he was talented as hell. And they just bumped heads continuously, you know, and – and you have to leave it. You have to leave this in. You can't take that out. You got to can't merge those characters. You'll have to do this, you know, and all that. And they just fought for like dogs. And yet they were still friends. Then, which is kind of funny. That's fine. Yeah, friends can disagree. Um, I think like a great example is also look at um, what there's a YouTube video of called um, something along the lines of how Star Wars was saved in the edit. Yeah. 
And it's really was George uh, Lucas's wife was a hugely responsible for how successful that film was. She was the editor and like completely reworked the ending. So like there was no um, the end of the film was just the, the fighters attacking the Death Star and there was no ticking clock. The Death Star wasn't threatening the rebel base. All of that was kind of edited in afterwards. That whole ending was kind of rewritten. Right. Uh, things were, were moved around and reorganized to get the film to flow better. And, you know, it's, it's a great idea. Yeah, more suspense. It's a great example of how editing can save a film that seems to be languishing otherwise, just by adding yeah. more urgency and intensity. Right. Um, yeah, like uh, the, the first It, right? That that was was destroyed in pre-production. People were saying it was terrible and all this other stuff. And then somehow the editor came in there and he or she turned it into, um, I guess, a masterpiece, at least the first one, you know? Because I, I, we all heard those stories that that it was it was like a disaster to film the first it. And well, right, even it, like Solo was right where it was, had so many problems, but it, right. the, the finished product wasn't a bad movie. Well, right. but we also don't know partly because you had um, oh, fuck who is the writer? Um, oh yeah, uh, the guy from Jurassic Park, right? Uh-huh. No, maybe it wasn't. Not Cap. Um, the guy who wrote the Indiana Jones and uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, Cap Costas. Kazan, right. So he he wrote. He did not like the things that the directors were doing to his script because the right. directors are very uh, improvisational, and which everyone seems to think is is all humor based. And maybe it was. I have no idea. But you can improv drama too, right? Um, and so they brought in somebody who. Would, Ron Howard, who was basically going to film what was written. Uh, whether is that the right answer or not, I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea, but it's just they, they basically had to reshoot like 80% of the film right. because they didn't like what was there. But who knows what the lost edit's going to be? Maybe that was superior. It just wasn't what the producers wanted. It's not unusual, like for the case of It, well, why was there trouble behind the scenes for It Chapter Ones? Because the directors were new people who had no power. And, you know, people probably didn't understand what they were doing and they expected it to be a disaster. And people behind the scenes wanted to make sure that when it was a disaster, they could stand up and say, see, I told you so. Whereas when something isn't a disaster and ends up making a ton of money, everyone forgets what you said. Right, right. And then they said, see, I told you so in chapter two. Right. (laughs) Uh, But uh, uh, Barrett, yeah, I'll rephrase. I freaking... Let me rephrase. He's just supposed to be a very hard person to work with, and many of the people that worked with him, such as Ashley Judd and stuff. Oh, your your first really, comment was fine. I just laughed. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. I, but I, it it sounded harsh though after the fact. But but I, I know I know a lot of people who've worked with him have had some issues with him. But every time yeah, I, yeah. I every time I see him in interviews, it just seems like a good guy. And, and you know, I, and the ladies still like them. So yeah. anyway, a talented I, sociopath. Yeah, you can. You can. Absolutely. So there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Um, all right. So uh, let's let's wrap this up because, you know, we're now talking about just intellectual properties and, and whether or not they're, they can be made into good films if people do not follow what people expect, so, which which was a good conversation. But, you know, that's, that's, it's uh, been about two hours. So uh, let's, let's uh, wrap up our thoughts on this final uh, penultimate episode. I mean, um, Barry, why don't you start? 
Uh, so I really like this episode. I'm concerned about the finale and what it is going to have in it. Um, I feel that there wasn't enough Halo in Halo. <laughs> and, and I don't know how one episode is going to save that. Um, I really wanted more to take place on the Halo. I wanted to see more aliens. And what we got was human drama mostly all the way through. So as a, as a whole, I'm not happy right now. I like most of the episodes. I didn't like the Quan storyline. Um, and I think it was a waste of episodes where they could have focused on the alien aliens fighting humans. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. For me, for the penultimate episode, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, I could see some people being somewhat disappointed because again, uh, it isn't necessarily the halo that they're expecting, but just as a story, uh, it was an interesting character and stuff. It was, it was a good episode, uh, whether it didn't follow, um, the already in place, um, AI, uh, or into I, I intellectual probably IP that, um, is out there, but, uh, all in all, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, uh, but you know, as a, as a series, uh, you know, we'll get into that some next episode. And maybe if we do a wrap up episode, even after that, talk about the little time that they're actually on halo, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that next week. But just this episode here, uh, I, I, I liked it. Uh, Sean. Uh, yeah, not going to say too much different. It was a solid episode. Uh, I enjoyed it much more than last week's episode. And just, again, the same kind of concerns as to what are we actually going to get for actual Halo. Um, hoping that they can land whatever they're attempting to land. And I guess we'll see you next week. All right, Mike. As its own thing, I like it. Uh, I, I like the storyline. I like the idea of the, the, the pitting the Spartans against each other and the political machinations of what's going on and the way that things are uh, backfiring so so tragically uh, with the McKee character. Um, and, and again, I found some things a little hard to think of uh, that didn't make a lot of sense until I kind of remembered or at least rationalized to myself that, well, yeah, Master Chief doesn't exactly have a lot of experience as a as a fully functional human being. So, um, but then there's the flip side to it, which is, this is, I'm sure not what people have signed up for. So, and time is running out. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're waiting. We're waiting to see if they get to the halo thing. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I know where it's going. And, uh, that's going to be ending on people staring up at the sky going, Whoa, halo. Uh, well, but anyway, I'll, I would be here, you know, hopefully that fans will be satisfied with the fact that what they have is good um, and that there's more that's going to be promised and that they will get to it. Uh, but I like what's here. Judging what's here, like, I think is good. All right. Sounds good. So uh, that was uh, the penultimate episode entitled Allegiance. Um, and next week's which is the final episode of the season one is transcendence. Uh, we will be back recording on five twenty two or May 22nd. Uh, that the, the show will debut the final episode on May 19th. And then this podcast episode will be released on May 23rd to discuss 
the final episode. And uh, if we do have a follow-up season wrap-up episode and what we think will happen in season two, uh, we'll we'll have that the following week after that. Um, so uh, you'll get that details next week. And I think with all that stated, Mike, why don't you do something? Uh, well, thank you once again for tuning in to the latest episode of Cortana's Communiques, where we have discussed episode 1.8, episode 8 of season 1, Allegiance. Um, we hope uh, that the show has not lost your allegiance and that you'll be with us again uh, next week.